give Alan and the band a round of applause. Great job today stepping in. We appreciate that so much this morning. And uh, man, what a great song and lead into what I'm going to be preaching about today. He is a good, good father. And matter of fact, we're talking to you about how thankful we need to be for that father. The title of our sermon series is Thank You, The Power of a Grateful Heart. Next Sunday, I want you to make sure that you are listening and you're here to in the conclusion of that message is uh, we're going to share with you a personal story next week, maybe even hear a testimony uh, of how, just how cool God is and what he's doing here. And we want you to be a part of that. So we want to welcome you this morning. For those of you that are watching online or those that are in the house today, we're so glad that you guys are here this morning. My name is Terry Pierce, and I happen to have the privilege to be the lead pastor here at Connect Church uh, for the last 19 years. And if you'll notice, uh, a little bit different than it's been the last seven weeks is uh, no neck brace. And uh, so no neck brace. Uh, Do I look any better without it or uh okay yeah don't answer that so man at least i got a round of applause in first service man you guys really suck so anyway uh so anyway don't answer that online thank you i thank you i got three people that are fans uh so let me introduce to you today a little bit about what's going on in my life Uh, i hate doing this but uh, i really do feel like it will set up the sermon today and i promise i'll try not to do this uh, as much as possible going forward but i do really think it really fits into the message this morning to tell a little bit about my story and so so here we are. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with the situation, um, had a sort of a spinal injury, herniated disc, and, uh, and so where we're at is this past week, uh, we went for a second opinion uh, to Sims Murphy uh, in Memphis and talked to uh, really, you know, the high, high-end doctors there. We got to meet for the first time in the last seven weeks a neurosurgeon. We actually got to meet with him, and uh, the good news is, is he said, uh, I want you to take off your brace, sort of disagree with what you've been told and uh matter of fact he said you're so screwed up there's really nothing else you can do that and so you might as well just you know just take the brace off and and uh, sort of the bad news is is that we've got to do surgery there's nothing else that we can really do uh unless the lord intervenes or somehow you just miraculously heal yourself we're going to cut you open and we're going to go in through your throat we're going to move your esophagus and your voice and you're going to you're and you're not going to be able to speak for a little while but we're going to move that in and go through the back and uh do that so i was like yay, I, don't worry about me. I don't talk for a living. So, you know, hey, just go ahead and do your thing. But anyway, uh, so it was sort of a little bad news, good news, scary, you know, proposition. But the really bad part was, is he said, uh, we are booked up and we cannot get to you till August. So uh, I said, what do I do? And he said, what I want you to do is I said, you know, keep taking your meds. Uh, continue to go to physical therapy, and the good news is, is they're putting needles in me now every week, and they stick needles until I bleed, and then they put some kind of electrode, and they shock me, and I jump all over the place, so it's fun. Uh, anyway, uh, but it is actually good, because it allows my pain level to get down to at least a three, and so I've been able to get some sleep, and so that part of it's much better. I just can't really feel anything with my left arm, and it's numb most of the time, and in slight pain, so anyway, it's all good. Uh, so that part of it, I get to live till August that way, but Hey, uh, so this week, uh, we're going, this Wednesday, I'm going to go to UAB and get a, one last opinion. And the main reason I'm going to UAB, Love Sins Murphy, they did a great job with us, but I just want to find somebody that can do this quicker. Uh, so that's sort of the goal in line. And I said all of that to say this, because it sets up the sermon today. In all seriousness, Belen and I, church members, leadership in our church, have been under, and there's no other way to sugarcoat it, and we speak very blunt truth here for our guests today, is we believe we've been under satanic attack. Our church has been having revival. You've heard about the seven months of people being saved and baptized and joining the church and people rededicating their life. You're going to hear more fantastic stories this morning of how God is instrumental in changing lives in this very room today. Unbelievable things are happening here. And it is so cool of what God is doing, not only numerically and spiritually in this church for discipleship, but he's literally changing hearts and lives. And we're not backing down, and we're going to continue to fight the devil. But I'm not going to lie to you. The last seven weeks, there have been moments where Belen and I both have sort of bottomed out, to be honest with you. When I stand before you today and I tell you the stories of how good God is, there's been some low moments. 
And there's been some discouraging times. Matter of fact, just call it what it is, it's been tough. And here's the thing that I think God is trying to teach me, and this is the only reason I'm sharing with it, this with you this morning. Number one, as I believe what God is saying into my life and pouring into my life, because this is my question, God, why? And the thing that God is speaking into my life is, number one, is I want to teach you how to have more empathy for those that are going through a whole lot more than what you are, and he is. He has given me a much greater love and a much greater prayer understanding of how to pray for you guys because my job is to care for you. I hate this kind of stuff that slows me down. I want to be there and I want to be doing so much more than I am. But God, first of all, is teaching me how to have more empathy for you guys. Number two is what God has been pouring into Belen and I. is that when I can't go to the gym anymore and I do it five days a week to release stress from you and I can't go to the gym anymore when I can't pick up my grandkids when I can't play disc golf with my sons and I know those are minor things and some of you are going through so much worse but it really does suck and it really does stink, and it really does frustrating. And for seven weeks, I just have to sit still, and that's not me. And But what I think God is saying, and this is where I'm getting to for you guys, is, Terry, I want you to learn that when everything is taken away, I am enough. I am still there with you, I am still blessing you, and I will be with you. And Terry, I'm asking you the question, when everything else is taken away, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I enough in your heart and your life? And thirdly and finally, I think what the Holy Spirit is saying into my life, if you're going to really be able to preach and teach people with authenticity and with integrity to this generation that questions everything in your motives, if you're going to be able to tell them that you've got to be thankful the thankful, when you become a thankful person, the power of a grateful heart is what will change your circumstances, your situation. If they're going to believe in your message, then they got to know that you're in there with them, you're hurting with them. And I'm telling you, I believe God is saying, if I'm going to help you help them, then I want them to understand you know what they're going through, you feel their pain. And so if you want to be able to teach them how to go through their tough times in their heart and their life, then now you're ready and now you're prepared to do this. And so this morning, what I was wanting to tell you today is I believe Jesus has a message for us this morning. The way you overcome the tough times in your life is you allow God and you become thankful for the tough times because knowing that God is molding you. Let me illustrate it to you in this way. Fifteen years ago, we made a huge decision in this church. It was controversial is I believe that God was leading us to do missions. And we were not a big fan of going and spending money uh, to do things of that nature, and we took our very first ever. Can you believe this? We do like two or three a year now. But 15 years ago, we never went on an international missions trip here at our church. And we voted and said, you know, and we had to have back in those days, we voted on it, which was really stupid, but we did. And uh, so we finally got over that hump and we took our first international missions trip and we took 10 people to southern France to minister and uh, to uh, sort of a population group that really needed to be ministered to. We went into southern France and um, on our journey to Marseille, France, we stopped off in a town, unbelievable, beautiful town four 500-year-old buildings, just in complete architecture, unbelievable. Um, there was nothing new there. All the town was just this old-school stuff. And we ate pizza in Ex-Provence, France. And Mark Huddleston was there, sitting over here, one of our deacons. And Mark and I will testify to this day, absolutely beyond debate, the best pizza we have ever had in our life. Matter of fact, if Mark and I this morning 
And you have to trust us because you look at Mark and I, we've ate a lot of pizza <laughs> and a lot of other things too together. But anyway, uh, so we understand food. And I'm telling you, the best pizza we've ever had. Matter of fact, we loved it so much. If Mark and I could afford to, we would get on a plane right now after service and we would fly back to France together. Well, let's, well, Fran- well, let's take our wives because that would look better. But anyway, uh, and so we would go back to France and we would go to that pizzeria. And I'm telling you, it was that good. And so we ask. The people at the pizzeria, you know, this place, and it was in a second floor, old 300-year-old building, unbelievable. And we asked him, what makes your pizza so good? And we were expecting to say, you know, oh, we've got this process, whatever. And they said, of course, you start out, and everybody knows this, fresh ingredients. And so in everything in France you buy is fresh. But number two, and this was fascinating, that's where I want to get to is that they said the secret, I never thought about this, to a great pizza is the dough. And I'm like, no way! The dough! And they said that the reason the key is the dough is because you just don't put toppings on any piece of you know, dough, bread. You've got to get that dough ready. And they tell us the process of getting the dough ready is they beat the living daylights out of the dough. You take the dough and you slap it on the table. And you put a rolling pin and you just smooth out every little piece of it. And it's got to be perfect. And then you take the dough and you twirl it on your finger. And then you slap it back down on the table and you beat it up again. And and that, that dough just has to go through every kind of beating that it can take. And then when it's perfect, you put your toppings on it and the dough is ready, they said, to handle the good stuff that you want on your pizza. Now, let's be honest. I'm going to get to the point of this. But how many of you I've already lost? You're on your phone now calling Domino's, and there's going to be 15 cars outside of here at Domino's with pizza brought right after I get through with this service. Don't worry. We'll be done in 15 minutes. Ha! Your pizza's going to be cold. Uh, anyway, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the, the thing is, is that the dough is the secret to a good pizza. And now, here's what I want to say to you and I. The truth is, we want the blessings of God in our hearts and lives. We long to have the good stuff that God wants to bring us. And when we're not experiencing God's blessing in our life, I want to remind you that we're the dough. And maybe the reason, and I'm going to talk further about this illustration as we go through the text, because it outlines what Paul is going to teach the church at Thessalonica and you today here at Connect. Maybe the reason we're not experiencing the blessings that God wants us to have and he longs to give us because he loves us is because we, the dough, are not ready to handle the blessings that God wants to give us. We need to be prepared. God is working on us. He's smoothing out the unobedience. I know that's not a word, but uh, he's, he's smoothing out the sin in our life He's smoothing out our attitudes that shouldn't be there and the lack of faith. And God is working, working, working out the kinks in our life so we'll be ready to handle his blessings. The tough times, being thankful in the tough times, God is preparing us for the blessings that's what I want to talk to you about today. Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. And we're going to look at how to be thankful even in tough times. How to be thankful in tough times. And so I know that uh, if, we're not, if you guys are not ordered your pizza right now from Domino's, uh, then, uh, and by the way, uh, the pizza that Mark and I just described here this morning you're not going to get that in a box in 30 minutes, what we had. Uh, some, some of you are already thinking, and I bet this is what I'm going to see pictures today, that lost pizza in Tupelo is going to be packed out this morning after this service because I know you're getting hungry already. But hang with me this morning, I promise you. Those online, don't, don't quit. Just follow the message all the way through. So the truth of the matter is that when we think about being the pizza dough in this journey called life, You know, how do we respond when God is sort of beating out the rough spots in our life? And let's be honest, we got two at least different personality types and how we're going to respond to God sort of beating out the rough edges in our life. 
Number one, there's a personality group represented in this auditorium this morning that you don't really like any preacher telling you what to do. You don't like, you, you don't say it because you know and respect God enough, but you hate it when God is refining you. You hate it when God is showing you things that are wrong in your life. And you're just sitting there, and if you would be able to speak as the pizza dough, you would be saying, and this is your sort of your whole attitude to what I'm preaching on today and about the, the changes that need to happen in your life. You're like, if you were a pizza dough and you could speak, get your hands off me. Quit doing that. That hurts. I don't like that. I like the way I am. I like to be lumpy dough. I like to have impure things in me. I don't want to give up my habits. I don't want to change who I am. And the truth of the matter is, many of you are running away from church. You're not listening to the preacher. You're not listening to the Holy Spirit because you have this defiant attitude and you're sort of saying, get your hands off me. Have you even washed your hands? Uh, you know, and it's just like, uh, man, don't touch me. I want to be who I am, and I want to stay just like I am. True? And then there's a second personality that's listening to this message today. And you're, uh, I totally goofed this up, and I don't think I'm going to do it any better in this today, but in a second service, but you're this people that sees rainbow and I said rainbow and fish. I don't know why, but anyway, I know that's not probably it. But anyway, so you all you see is rainbow and just go with me. Pretend I knew what I'm talking about. All you see is rainbow. It's butterflies, isn't it? Rainbow and butterflies, not fish. Anyway, uh, <laughs> flying fish. Whoa, there it goes. Anyway, uh, sorry. Oh, that hurt my neck. Uh, so here we go. So we're talking about rainbows and butterfly fishes. And so anyway, uh, so here's what. Uh, you, you're that personality type. Stay with me, Terry. Uh, so you're that personality type. That what you think when you're going through the rough season of God refining you in your life, you're like, oh, this is so much fun. Oh, God's going to teach me something new in my life, and I'm going to have this great experience of getting closer to God. And so I go to teen camp, or we have a, a great prayer service, and you love music night at church because I just want to worship. And, but here's the thing what happens in your life. When that discipleship process takes a while, and God is smoothing out the rough stuff. And by the way, he doesn't just do it overnight. It may be seven weeks of your life. And because of your personality, you get tired and you get bored with God trying to make you and bring you into humble obedience. And so you quit. You bail out on the process and you just go through and you go, oh, I want blessings, oh, I want blessings. And you jump around to new stuff to entertain your life. And I'm telling you, that's not how your dough gets refined. And so this morning, we're going to see the way to be thankful in tough times. And Paul's going to tell the church at Thessalonica is you've got to let God do God's thing, refine us smooth out the rough spots and one of the great deterrents to you and I becoming the kind of dough that can receive God's blessings and I don't have time to preach on this so I'm just sort of awkwardly putting it in here but it's critical the text doesn't deal with it but I know your lives do and it does in other places guys let me just give you this you're never going to be able to receive the blessings. Your spiritual dough is never going to be ready to let God pour out his blessings on your life if all you're doing is complaining about the dough process. The number one deterrent to you never, ever being thankful is if you whine and complain about the dough process in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a season in your life Quit complaining about it and allow God to do his work and to do his ministry in your life. And so I'm just telling you, everybody else doesn't want to hear it, and it's never going to help you as long as you do this. So what do we do to allow God to take us through this refining process of getting our spiritual dough ready to have his blessings? Let me remind you this morning. Look at me. That pizza that I talked about that Mark and I had in France— it was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece of pizza. It was almost like you didn't even want to eat it. It was so incredible, but we did, and we did again. 
And here's the cool thing. As great as that pizza was, that doesn't hold a candle to what God is doing in your heart and your life. God has the ability to make your life, to make your circumstances. He created you in his image. And I'm telling you, whether the devil lies to you, whatever sin is in your past, whatever you feel is inadequate in your life, whatever you think you're better than anything else, stop it. God has created you, and he can make a masterpiece out of your life. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time that we allow God to take the dough of our life and to turn us into the masterpiece he has designed us for. Are you with me this morning? Are you ready to let the master make something beautiful out of your life and to bring the blessings into your circumstances? This is how God does it. Look at the text. Rejoice always. This is the masterpiece building process of a great spiritual person. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And do not quench the Spirit. The one negative in there, and we're going to close with that today because I promise you it's the key. Last week we dug into the 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 depth of this text and we taught you last Sunday that in the original language in the Greek that this is written by the apostle to the church at Thessalonica in what we call the imperative present tense. Dr. Danny Aiken summarizes this text in this way. He says all these imperatives, this is what the language, the, the message was written in, all these imperatives are stated in the present tense. Calling, and this is key, calling for continuous action in the church at Thessalonica. You guys have got to keep doing this if you want God to bless you. And these are clearly commands, not suggestions. I love that. They are identifying, and this is so cool, circle this, they are identifying characteristics that mark a Christian's life. Paul's message to the church at Thessalonica is the same message that God has for you and I at Connect Church today. I want to teach you how to be thankful in the tough times. And the way I do that, now listen to me this morning, the way God teaches us to be thankful in the tough times is we need to, first of all, never forget what Jesus has done for us in the past. Look at me this morning. I want to remind you today, No matter how long you've been coming to church, no matter how dark in this season of your life may be, may I remind you today, nothing has changed in the last seven weeks of my life, Ernie, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. His shed blood wiped away Terry Pierce's failures, his weaknesses. And while I may not like what's going on in my life, that does not define who I am. It does not define where I will go in the future because Jesus Christ has settled my sin debt in the past. And now what I do in the present is I glorify him. Even when I don't feel like it, I continue to glorify him in the present because what Jesus did for me in the past, and you know what that does? That gives me hope for the future. Amen? Are you with me this morning? The past. Remember the past of what Jesus has done. Glorify him in the present, and I promise you if you'll start doing that, he's going to give you hope for the future. Thankful in tough times. So what does it practically look like in your life? How do we live out what what I just said? Get out your notes this morning, and we're going to walk through this today again. And we gave you the first two. I'm going to re-summarize those again today, and uh, and then we're going to give you two new ideas. Number one, principle number one, how do I become thankful in tough times? Rejoice always. We learned last Sunday that we've got to continue to rejoice always always. And we walked you through that. And let me remind you just a second of that, but let me just pause for one second. All right, for those of you that love Bible knowledge and, and you know, you want to do trivia and stuff and you want to sound really Bible smart, I don't, uh, so none of, they got three of you that want to do this. So let me ask you this question. What is the shortest, you know, you've been in church, you know, a lot of you folks have been in church all your life, so we're going to let old school folks here. So what's the shortest verse of the Bible? Say it out loud. Jesus wept. Mm, wrong. <laughs> Look at this verse. Rejoice always. It's just two words as well. Boom, you got a new idea. Jesus wept. Rejoice always. I bet you never knew that. Now you got a trick question. When somebody asks you the next time, what's the shortest v- verse of the Bible? Rejoice always. It's just as short as the other one. Go with me? Anyway. Okay. I thought that would really help three of you. But anyway, so 
You guys are such, anyway. So here's the thing. How do we learn to rejoice always? Last Sunday, you guys heard an incredible testimony of, of Mike sharing how that his daughter was on the boat in the accident and her left arm and left breast was amputated and, and she almost bled to death there in the lake in Georgia and how God intervened and we were praying for her here in Tupelo. And God not only spared her life, not only saved her life, but has redeemed her. And she is married now and has a little baby and a tremendous story of how that rough season in their life might continue to rejoice always in the faithfulness of God. And the reason I begin this service today, unfortunately just talking about me, was the fact that God is teaching me lessons to lead you on how to rejoice in tough times. And here's the statement that I taught you last week about this, and I want to remind you again. Joy is not something that we work on. This is so cool. Joy is not something that we work on. Joy is something that we live in. This is how we allow God to take the spiritual dough of our lives as we find constant joy in his presence in our hearts and lives. And here's what I want to add to that this week. It is new. Our joy, and this is profound, our joy is never generated from the outside. Our joy is never generated from the outside, but always inside out. Listen to me this morning. So many of us are trying to find joy by having fun, and there's nothing wrong with having fun. All of, we got half our church at the beach right now or in the mountains, and, and, and I get that, and I want you to have a relaxing time. But you know what's going to happen after the beach and the mountains trips that we're all going to take or whatever? You realize that you're going to go back to work, and you realize that in Mississippi, when it says it's 93, it's actually 137. You with me now? The, the little blessing that we had in 1st of June that we were all talking about how nice this is, it's over, baby. We're back to Mississippi. And I'm just telling you, and you're going to come back to the reality of your life. And we need a vacation, James, and we need a break in our life, and we need to have fun. God desires to bless us and give us all that stuff. But I'm telling you, that's not where your joy is going to be at. You're rejoicing in the presence of God because you're going to go back to work. You're going to have your struggles with your health. You're going to have your financial problems because now you're more in debt because you spent way too much money on vacation. So all of this stuff is going to come around in your life. And what God is saying, it's not in you having a great job. It's not in you having a great marriage or everything's going your way in your life. Those things, God longs to bless you. But guys, those are just the toppings, the spiritual dough of our life that God wants us to have, no matter whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether we're on vacation or whether we're at work, whether we're in pain or whether we're healthy. It doesn't matter. I got Jesus in my heart. I rejoice always that he is with me. We find our joy in Jesus. He is with us every day, every hour. He's redeemed us. He has saved us. So we rejoice from the presence of Jesus inside of us. Number two, as we pray all day, you need to start well, let me just ask you this. We pray, what is pastor? What do you mean when Paul says to the church, pray without ceasing? What in the flip does that mean? Am I supposed to just drive to work with my eyes closed and, and uh, no? Uh, and, you know, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Yeah, I, I'm going to talk to you about some practical ways to do that. But let me just start with this. You need to come to our Wednesday night prayer service. We do something really old school here, and it's New Testament biblical is, and we're revitalizing and even revamping it. Uh, it's amazing what God is doing. We are modeling for you on Wednesday nights what prayer really looks like. And not only are we modeling it for you, we're asking you to participate with us both in the audience and in different ways. And the Holy Spirit is just moving. Let me give you a little taste. We're praying, uh, and we're praying specifically 
in this season of my life, and I know this is why Satan is attacking our church, I began to pray almost 11 months now ago that God would begin to do revival. Uh, I sensed that our nation was going in the wrong direction, and I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm just talking about, uh, in my opinion, we need to Never mind. But anyway, but they need Jesus is all I'm trying to say is the whole lot of them needs Jesus and the whole lot of them needs Jesus. And so I began to pray that God would revive our country and through all of the election and all the rest of the process. But what God said, you don't have revival in your country till it begins in your heart. And so what he began to teach me is that revival starts here. It's not in the White House that's going to save us, amen. It's not in Congress that's going to save us, amen. Uh, It is in here. And so I began to pray for revival, and God began to change me. As God began to change me, I began to lead the church a little differently. And then we were getting a little taste of revival. I'm telling you, God is moving like I've never seen before. Record attendance of all time in the history of our church in April. People's lives being changed. Discipleship happening. We got a taste. So we're praying on Wednesday nights for revival to start in our hearts and then to move through this church. And you want to save this John Brown country? Then you allow revival to launch into other churches around this land. We will never win at the ballot box. What we will win is when people find Jesus. And on Wednesday nights, we're praying for revival. This past Wednesday night, to give you a little taste of what it looks like, not only remodeling and showing you how to pray, but folks, after doing that, God just laid on our heart, and I said, I want you to write down the name, and we passed out a piece of paper Wednesday night, and I said, I want you to write down the name of a coworker, a family member, a friend, somebody you go to school with, that you know that needs the Lord, and our congregation wrote the first name of this person down and they come and they laid that piece of paper on the altar and do you know what we did we prayed for the miraculous salvation of people all over this congregation and you know what i'm believing that god's going to save them somebody wrote the name donnie down i have no idea about the story but i picked it up off this altar i don't even know who donnie is don't have a clue who it is but you know what i'm praying that donnie comes to know jesus christ and i can't wait to meet him because i believe god's going to do it And we ask our folks after they lay them on the altar and to pray over these people, then to go pick up somebody else's piece of paper. And now our congregation is praying for somebody else that they don't even know that God will lead them to Christ. I'm telling you, we're not just asking you to do this stuff and trying to make you feel guilty about it. We're modeling and showing you guys how to really pray. Pray without ceasing. Look at the verse. What Paul says, you want to know how to be thankful in tough times, you've got to learn to pray without ceasing. Here's what Dr. Michael Holmes says about the text. Are we really persuaded, and this is what we should believe about prayer, are we really persuaded that God will indeed deliver his people and bring justice on their behalf? Then let us pray with persistence and patience, waiting and watching expectantly for God to ask. I'm convinced that we say little short little prayer ditties. God bless our family today. Keep us safe as we travel. Bless this food to our body. And we never think about what this statement is. If we really believe that God can set the record straight on the injustices in our life, that God really longs to bless us and give us the spiritual toppings in our life, the blessings in our life, if we get the dough ready. I'm telling you that we need to pray believing that God is going to answer our prayers. I don't think we really pray believing with a conviction that God's going to do what he's going to do. And so when he says pray without ceasing, here's what it looks like practically in your life and mine. I've been yelling at you this for 20 years. You need to get up 10 minutes early, and you need to spend time with the God of the universe who created you, who loves you, who made you in his image, and sent his only son to die for you. Can you not get up 10 minutes early and just talk to the Father? And when you talk to the Father, you just tell him, about your tough times. You tell him about your questions. You pray over those in your family that are irritating you. You pray about your kids. You pray about your job. And then when you run out of time and you say, well, Pastor Terry, I don't ever have time to finish. Good. 
I never finish my prayer time. That's what this verse is talking about. So you know what I've learned to do? I've learned to pray when I drive to work. I pray when I used to be able to go to the gym. I pray and I carry a church directory with me. What I'm trying to model before you guys is you need to pray and look for opportunities. Last night, we took our son and, and uh, daughter-in-law and getting ready to have our next grandchild, and uh, we took them out to eat. And then she's pregnant, and she wanted ice cream, so we, uh, and so actually I did. But anyway, and so we went to get ice cream last night. And you know when we got to Crosstown, we got a preacher and a pregnant lady that's wanting ice cream, and there was a John Brown train at Crosstown. So we try to go around it, come back around. They unhook something somewhere, and they just had the two engines, and they just sit there in the middle of the tracks. Y'all know it from Tupelo. Is there nothing more irritating than a train at Crosstown? Can I get a witness today? I'm just telling you, yes. We wanted ice cream. That train wouldn't get out of the way. And what I'm trying to say to you in those moments in your life when you're frustrated and you want to say something you shouldn't say, about the train, or about all the other hindrances in your life? How about you take that time to just pray? Look for moments in your day where you can just be still when you're putting furniture together and you get a 15-minute break. How about take five minutes of that to pray? Learn to practically put prayer time into your day on your way home from work. What I'm saying is, as I finish my prayer time, throughout my day while I'm driving or have interruptions when there's nothing else how about you put down your phone how many minutes are you spending on Twitter compared to talking to the creator of the universe how many minutes are you spending playing your video games versus talking to God pray without ceasing so here's what I do is I take this church directory now this is our connect church old school directory And we have them printed, by the way, out by guest services desk. They're located out there. It's got your names on there. It's got your social security number on there. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, it's got, and and so what we do is, what I do is I pray over every single person in this church. How do you get in the church directory? It's real easy. You bring your butt to church. You sit in a pew. We don't even ask you to come every Sunday. But if we fill out a guest card... If you've come to our church, we're going to start praying for you, and we're going to put you in this church directory. And if somehow we've missed you, and you're sitting here today, and you're not in the directory, you go to guest services today, and I expect everybody to pick up one and make sure your John Brown name is in there. And if it's not, you tell guest services desk, I'm not in here, but I want to be prayed for by the preacher. Every single week, what a privilege it is to come to a church where I pray for the Knight family. Well, I pray for the Rooker family. I pray for the Rutherford family. I pray for James Petty. I pray over you by name, asking God to intervene in your situation. No matter what you're going through, Regina, no matter what you're facing, Hector, no matter what's going on in your life, Josh, we're praying for you. We've got your back. We're interceding for you. And I do it all throughout the week. And it literally takes me an entire week of having those moments of just praying without ceasing because I love you and I know what you need is God. So what I'm asking you to do is join me. And number two, if you're watching online, you need to get your butt to church so we can put you in the church directory. I'm just saying. So here's what we want to say. Did I say that out loud? Number three, develop a grateful spirit. I'm glad you're watching online. Number three, so how do we get to the key part of the text? And here's what Paul says about how to know victory in your life. Give all things and circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus in you. I know this is an unusual command, and I know that life gets tough, and some of you are sitting here this morning, but Pastor Terry, I can't develop this grateful spirit because my job sucks. My wife or my husband has left me. My spouse has cancer. My kids have developmental needs in their life that's changed our whole life trajectory. And Brother, Brother Terry, my life is a total mess right now. Everything I thought would happen. Now listen to me, and this is a key part of the message today. Notice, look back on the screen. This is where you're, you're, the devil is deceiving you guys. Notice what the text says. How do we become thankful in tough times? We give thanks 
for all the bad stuff that's happening in our life. That's not what it says. But that's how you all think. And that is the lie that the devil gives to you. I'm telling you this morning, you need to understand the text and how it was written. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. In all, you need to put in parentheses. Because what he's saying to you and I today is he's not saying, Brother Terry, God's not saying, I want you to be thankful that you have a herniated disc in C7 that is bulging into your spine and causing nerve damage. I'm not asking you to be thankful for that. I'm not asking you to be thankful for the bad stuff that's happening in your life. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is when bad circumstances are happening in your life, I want you to be thankful that God Almighty is going to walk with you through the bad season. He's going to be there. Do not be thankful for the bad stuff. Do not let the bad stuff overwhelm you. When you have somebody die in your family, you don't go to the funeral going, oh, I'm thankful that they die. I just want to praise God. No, you grieve. You're sad at what, at what the devil and death has done in your family. God is not wanting you to be thankful for that. But what he is saying, I want you to be thankful that I will be with you in the funeral. And I will be with you after the funeral. Isn't that good? So we learn to be grateful, not for the bad stuff, the hard, tough times. We're grateful that God is with us in all of our circumstances. So this is the way that we develop this. And guys, I want you to get this down. Because here's what J.I. Packer, old-time preacher, said about this point. The unceasing activity of the Creator. This is His presence. Whereby in overflowing bounty and goodwill, He upholds His creatures in ordered existence. He guides and governs all events, circumstances and free acts of angels and men, and He directs everything to its appointed goal. Guys, here's what I'm trying to say to you. No matter what's going on in your life, I know this. I don't know if I'll have surgery in two months. I don't know if God will choose to heal me. I don't know if I have and lose my voice in my job because of that surgery. But I know this. God will be with me. God is going to walk with you. Be grateful that God Almighty knows exactly what I need. He knows when and where to take care of your needs in your life, and you trust him. You become grateful that he is there with us, and he is in control. And you know what happens in your life and what that looks like? You say, Pastor Terry, that's easy for you to say. Can I tell you that what we're doing is we're not talking about theory at Connect Church. We're living this out. Let me say that again. We're not just talking theory to you guys. We're living this out at Connect Church. I want you to look at the screen. And uh, the dude on the screen, uh, his name is Chris. And he's the FedEx guy. Chris goes to our church. And he might possibly be sitting right over there. Uh, and anyway, and Chris goes to our church, but I don't want to point him out. And uh, what he normally wears today, you know, he's got on a polo, and so he doesn't look like this. But every day, uh, most of the days of his week, he's got a FedEx guy, uh, FedEx uniform on. And he's the guy that puts your packages where you can't find them. I mean, not a Chris, but anyway. Uh, and so, uh, but I'm just kidding, sort of. But anyway, uh, so Chris delivers packages. And out on his route a couple of weeks ago, Chris found a wallet by the side of the road. And but you need to know this. Before Chris found that wallet, and he looked up the number, and he called the number that was in the wallet, and it was this lady and her family. And we're going to get to that in just a second. And the lady said to Chris, summary, I'm going through a tough time in my life. And when I lost my wallet, when I lost my wallet, I had decided that God doesn't love me and that God is really not there for me. And I was ready to just give it in because my cards my cash, everything I had, what I had left in my life in this tough season, and now my wallet's gone. My life screwed up. And she said, I was ready to just totally give up. And then I got a call that you had found my wallet. And she said, I could not believe it. 
she said, maybe God is really loves me and does care about me. And you know what Chris turned to her and said? Oh, I can do better than that. He said, let me invite you to Connect Church. Let me tell you God is alive. And what, I'm not sure if that lady even knows, but what you need to know today is that Chris is living proof of how to be grateful to God during tough times. Because just about a year ago, last July, him and his wife, Stephanie, walked into our church for the very first time. And they had just lost a child. And it was a very dark and tough time in Chris and the Mormon family's life. And they came to Connect Church, and God began to restore them, and God began to show them what it's like to have victory over death hell and the grave and Chris and his wife joined a connect group and they began to connect and understand what discipleship was he was discipled by another guy in our church and now he's going through that process and so in the midst of the pain of losing a child Chris decided rather than to throw it in and to quit he's going to trust that Jesus presence is going to not only bless his life not only walk him through this tough time in his life but in turn and this is where we're going with this today God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people. The reason you need to walk through your tough times is to get over yourself and allow God to start using you. And by the way, this is the really cool part. That couple on the screen, they're sitting over here in the service this morning. Would you welcome them to Connect Church? Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, God is in the house. And that's what God wants to do in your heart, in your life, in mine. We're not telling you theory. Our folks are living this out. So now what do we do about that, Pastor Terry? Number four is you follow the Spirit of God. You follow the Spirit of God. Do not quench the Spirit. Look what Paul says in the screen. Do not quench the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been reading through your hear journals this past week, you know that um, um, the Apostle Paul, I mean, sorry, Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he goes through this experience in his life. And Abraham is, um, you know, he's been told by God, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And if you've been doing your F260 Bible reading plan, and by the way, so many, we've had more people participate in this. Get involved in the F260 Bible reading. Just join now. It's amazing what God is doing in our people's lives. And you remember you read this week in, in Genesis 12 where Abraham has given this covenant promise. He said, I'm going to make a great nation. You're going to have a son. But by the time you get to Genesis 16, old Abraham does what we do. That dough and that refining, he goes, well, it's not happening. And I'm in my 90s, so I ain't having a kid. And so he has an affair. And he has sex with another woman. And she has a son. And that's a whole other story about the race of people and that came out of that that's still evident today. But unbelievably, God's mercy and grace speaks into Abraham's life. Now, here's the cool part. Abraham repents, Danny, and God says, I'm going to bless you anyway, despite your failures, despite your huge, gross sin, and your impatience. I'm going to bless you anyway. And God makes a covenant promise with Abraham. And he does have a son. And guess what? Gary, 4,000 years later, that covenant promise is still living. It's called the Jewish people in Israel. It started in Genesis 16 because God said, I would bless you. Now that's a cool story, bro. But I've got a better one for you. You ready to wrap this up? Here's an even greater covenant promise. God sent his only son to die for your sins and mine. And the New Testament covenant blows away what God did in Abraham's life. Inside of every one of you believing in his room this morning is the Holy Spirit. And when you got saved, he made a covenant promise that he would see you all the way through to the end. I'm just asking you this morning to learn to be grateful for that again. We need to get back to the covenant promise that God made with us that he would take us through the tough times and he would never let us down. Are you with me this morning? And you know what that looks like? 
I want you to look at the screen. Well, let's take a picture, Rhonda. A few weeks ago, um, I flew home to check on my parents. And um, guess what? That morning that I flew out of Tupelo, Jared, it was rainy and cloudy. What's the odds? And it was miserable, and it was depressing, and I was tired and had a difficult situation I was flying to with my parents and their condition. And you know what I did is I just sat back in the plane, and I began to pray because I had that quiet time. And I began to pray for you all using my church directory, talking to God about my situation. And all of a sudden, that pilot just jets off that, air, uh, that strip, and as soon as he leaves, it seemed like 60 seconds passed by, and all of that rain, and all of that cloud, and all of that dreariness, Miss Marie, all of a sudden, 66, 60 seconds later, that pilot shoots that plane out of the clouds, and this is what I saw, and this is a picture I took out of my window. And the Holy Spirit, and this was weeks ago, and I said, I've got to use this one day. I know the Holy Spirit is going to use this to help our people get reminded of how good God is. And so I took this picture, and today's the day that God said, I want you to show your people that it may seem like they're in a tough season of their life. They may seem like that all they can see is the clouds and the problems. But I'm telling you today, if we will learn how to be thankful, if we will learn how to be grateful for what God is presence in our life, no matter how difficult it is, the goal of God in our life is to lift us out of the miry clay, to lift us out of the tough times. And if you'll hang on, God's going to show you the sun. And I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about today. God wants to show you the S-O-N because he's here. He's alive. And it's time we worship him. Be thankful the sun is still on the throne and he wants to bless you today. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, That's www.triconnect.church.